Proverbs 23, 7. And it says this in the King James, and it says, uh, not quite this in other translations, but there's quite a few translations that say it like this. And it says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as a man thinks, and it's interesting about the heart, um, like the mind, um, they found that the heart actually has a memory, that it has a, the capacity to remember. And of course we know that the mind has the capacity to remember, but arguably the greatest known invention that God created is the human mind. Probably the, the greatest invention we know about is the, is the human mind. Potentially, the angelic realm might have even more amazing inventions of God. When I say inventions, because God invented it. He created it, but through an invention, through a blueprint, through an concept, an idea that he had, he put it together. So arguably, the greatest known invention that God created is the human mind. The mind is undoubtedly the most powerful thing on the planet, apart from the Holy Spirit. Our minds have power. And the problem most people are finding is they don't know how to use their minds properly. But with the mind, men have created the most marvellous cities and structures that astound the imagination. And with the mind, men have created the most powerful weapons of warfare that can destroy our entire civilization with the press of a button. The mind in its, and its power to think and reason is astonishing. It has scientists in awe and philosophers grappling with its use on how to use it better. A wise man once said throughout history, the great wise men and teachers and philosophers and prophets have disagreed with one another on many different things. It is only on one point that they are in complete and unanimous agreement. The key to success and key to failure is this. We become what we think about. We become what we think about. The things that go on in here become who we are. It can't, we can't become any more than what's going on in here. That's why you get two students doing the same subjects, they get the same result, but one becomes a success, one becomes an absolute failure. Because it cannot, unless they can control what goes on here, they cannot become what they hope to become. So you are, you are, up to this moment in your life, the sum total of all your thoughts. Up to this moment in your life, you're the sum total of everything you have thought about in your life. You are what you think about most of the time. If a man could learn to really think, they literally could achieve anything. If you could learn to really think, there would be nothing that could hold you back from achieving anything you would put your heart to in life. Now, I want you to all keep in mind, everything I'm relating here is relating to, you, to God, to be in accordance with the will of God. And the mind, if it's used in accordance with the will of God, is a powerful tool for God. For God. The problem is not, is not that men don't think. You can't help but think. Who knows what I'm talking about? You can't help with, but have thoughts going through your mind. The problem is that most don't know how to use their power to think so as to achieve what matters most. Most of us, and I, and we all, even the greatest users of their mind, the greatest men of the past who have used their minds to incredible capacities, they don't use it to that capacity 100% of the time. 
There'll be times when they'll drift. There'll be times when they'll go stale. There'll be times when they, they can't grapple with the concepts that they need to be able to grapple with. But when there is the potential to train yourself to use your mind to, so that your mind works far more effectively. And that's what I want to talk about today. Someone once said, a man's life is what his thoughts make of it. So what your life becomes is what your thoughts have made it. What we hold continually in our thinking, the thoughts which dominate our day-to-day -day life, define everything that takes place in our life. We cannot become more than what we believe, and we cannot become more than what we think. It goes together. Your beliefs and your thoughts go together. Because your belief must be entwined in your thinking. We are what our thoughts make us. Jesus Christ said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out that defiles him. It, what, it's what comes out. And what is coming out? What is going on in here and going on in here. They're one. The heart and the mind are one. And they, what goes on in there eventually comes out of here. You know, salt water and fresh water cannot bubble up from the same spring. So if there is salt water bubbling in there, you're not going to have gracious words coming out of here. So what we've got to be able to detect is what is going on in here? What is going on in here? Think about what you're thinking about. Process what is actually moving in, in there. If you hold the thought of hatred, it produces what does the Bible say? Murder. Hatred produces murder. You hold the thought of hatred, it produces murder. If you just think hateful things, you've committed murder in your heart, Jesus said. The thought of unforgiveness embitters a life. Also, the thought of unforgiveness will destroy our chances of salvation. Because Jesus says, unless you forgive others, the Lord can't forgive you. So if we hold unforgiveness in our heart, we're as good as an unsafe person, according to the Lord. The thought of adultery makes us an adulterer. If you look at someone with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. So just the thought, just the process, this is how important thoughts are if we don't control them. You know, the greatest um, scholars can't control their thoughts. They can be scholarly in one area, but they can't control their thoughts in general life. Because I'm not talking about how to channel your thoughts just to achieve one thing. I'm talking about how to channel your thoughts to, uh, to move through life in every aspect of your life in a way that is the way Christ would have you live it. And I want to talk about that. To the most part, men don't control their thoughts. To the most part. That's why you go down the street and people do stupid things. You know, uh, who was I talking to yesterday? My brother-in-law. And he was talking about when he was about 18, he was out somewhere with a mate, and these guys just picked, them, picked, them, picked on him for a fight. They didn't do anything. They were standing there. And the next thing you know, he got punched in the nose. And he said he went to the hospital because he, he was worried that he might have had a fracture or something in his nose. And when he got to the hospital, he was in a bed next to a 16-year-old guy that had just been beaten up. And his face was smashed in. And he said to him, what happened to you? And he says, I was just, just there. I didn't do anything. And a group of them, like a group of about four guys, just jumped on me and started beating the life out of me. Because these guys don't know what they're thinking. They, they let whatever comes into their mind be the, 
the thing that they should do. Let's bash that guy up. Yep, let's do it. They just think it and do it. You know? And in to a lesser degree, we can all not not in that setting, but we can think and act and be unreasonable. And I know I'm the first one to be like that. I can think and produce the things that I shouldn't be producing and doing. But are we bound to think without any rationale? Do we have any control over what goes on in head office? We do. We have total control of what goes on in head office. It's up to us. But if you don't realise it, guess what? You'll just respond to random thoughts all day long and wonder why life gets in a pickle. You know, and we see it all the time and all the more. If we do, how do we learn to control this centre of our beings which will determine not just the success of our Christian life, but will determine the success of our work life, our school life, our home life, our relationships? Every area of our life is affected by what goes on inside our minds. We become what we think about. We become what we think about. To think, to reason, to process to, and work things out is the secret to a successful life. To think, to reason, to process. But are there better ways of thinking than we have always thought? Because a lot of people, you know, they just, have, uh, we, uh, you know, don't try to change the way I think. I've always thought this way. Why should I change the way I think? And the reason is, no matter how much time we have on earth, because you know we're all here for a very short time, this is a short time. The longest most people will be here is about 100 years, and you know, for some of us we might be here for another 20 years, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, but still that is a short time. Who knows? You know, when you, when you get done turning 50 soon, and life has gone like that. I blinked, and it's gone. So can I improve the remaining part of my life? Can I think in a way that is going to enable me to fulfill what God has called me to do? Can I change the way I think so that I can be a better husband, so that I can be a better father, so I can be a better piano teacher, so I can be a better gardener, so I can be a better everything that I do in my life? Can I change the way I think? Can I transform my life so that I can fulfill the will of God? Many of the greatest figures in history have concluded that much of their success in life was the result of sitting down and really thinking for one hour a day. Most of the greatest men of God and the greatest men have concluded, actually the greatest men of God have concluded something which we'll talk about soon, is the power of thinking and praying. Praying and thinking. Because they go together. You know, ever, ever tried to pray without thinking? You can't. The only reason you can pray is because you think, I better pray. <laughs> so the power in that. But these men, whether they're Christian or not Christian, they've concluded that they've they learned to sit down and really think, really process, really work things out, to really get their life on track and do the right thing that day. And they do that for one hour every day and their life skyrockets. The people that aren't succeeding at the same level is the ones that just get up and get going. But you need that time. You need that quiet time. And we need it as Christians. We need that quiet time to pray and reflect. And we need to 
ask God, help me think now, help me process now. You know, some of the best things I've thought to do have come while praying. I'll be in the midst of prayer and then suddenly this idea will come into my head. And sometimes I feel, oh, why that idea coming into my head? I'm trying to pray. Well, maybe that's what the prayer achieved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you're there, like just the other week, I, uh, just uh, before Christmas, I think it was, I had the thought in prayer, Rob, move all your piano students into three days. Do a full day on Monday and then have two afternoons. And that came during prayer. And I was, in, I was about half to three quarters an hour into prayer and that came into my mind. And I thought, brilliant. So I did that. And guess what? Nearly all my students that I, I was hoping could come on a Monday during the day could come Monday on the in the day. And three days got filled up and I don't now teach on a Thursday and a Friday, which is absolutely wonderful to go out and do my work at home. So a little thing like that changed the dynamic and the kids love it because there's no people walking in our backyard on Thursday and Friday afternoons because they've grown up their whole life with people in the backyard every afternoon. They get home from school and they look out and there's people out there. And, you know, that stunted their childhood in that area, just using your backyard, but they've learned to. They know they come every half an hour, so they, they see the parents come in, bring the kids, the parents disappear, they run outside, do their thing, and then they come in before they get back. But, so our thinking and corresponding action is the wellspring of a successful life. It's the same as understanding faith with deeds. Think and act, faith with deeds. Thinking and acting and is, is an equivalent of faith with deeds. Our thinking is our faith centre. Your faith is in here and in here. It, if your mind is full of doubt, what does that do to faith? Yeah, cancels it out. Faith, a doubt cancels it out. So Matthew 21, 21 says, And Jesus said to them, or answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, which withered when he spoke against it, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. So the power to think away doubts is probably the highest attainment in thinking that the greatest men of the past has ever achieved. To think away doubts, to wrestle them out, to not stand doubts being in the mind. Because doubt begins here. Who knows what I'm talking about? You pray, and as you're praying for someone, you're praying for their healing. What you, what's the voice in the back of your head? You know, he's not going to get better. Don't think he's going to assume he's going to get better. But if you have the power to cancel it out by the power of the thinking through God, it, it will enable you to act in faith a lot more. There's an interesting uh, movie I watched many years ago. It was about a famous golfer, and I can't remember who he was because it was years and years ago, and he was a golfer from way back in the days when, uh, you know, uh, TV was in black and white. So it was back in the 40s and the 50s and so on. Anyway, this golfer, um, they showed the wrestling of, with his demons that he went through. And he, was, he became a world champion, but... They, um, they showed in this visual the graphics of the, of the way it was said. He was standing there to tee off at a, at a, for a shot. And over a, 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 to the side of him, there was a guy, like a demon type of guy, and he was saying, you're going to miss it. You've got no hope. You know, you're the worst golfer around. Don't think you're going to win this competition. You know? And it shows him sort of like you know, trying to get this demon out of his head. But the whole movie was, was about a number of things, but one of them was defeating that foe. 
that foe that is over there accusing him or saying to him at least that you cannot do this. And then it is showed in one point in the movie where he, he did something. I'd have to watch the movie to refresh my memory, but he ended up beating that demon. And then he teed off and he did a beautiful shot. And of course, he went on to become world champion. But it's like no matter what, it's not just Christians that are facing demons. Actually, it's the non-believers that face demons. Seriously, we just know who we're facing. You know, we just know who our enemy is. The unbelievers don't know who their enemy is. However, there's some unbelievers, non-Christian people, that by the use of the power of their thinking can do remarkable things. You know? Um, and what I want to see in the church, and I know um, most pastors want to see the same thing, is the people of God using their minds powerfully and in line with the will of God. Because a lot of the limitations we have as Christians is, is due to this. 1 Corinthians, actually I'll go back a bit. To learn to think, to learn to direct and focus your thoughts upon the things that matter to you is the power to live out this life successfully. Actually, developing our ability to think is a key to successful devotional time. Prayer and thinking unite during our devotional time. 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We have whose mind? Christ. Where do you get his mind? In prayer. You get it when you become a new creature, but you exercise the use of his mind in prayer. So not only do we have a power uh, in, in the natural sense, you can control your mind to a, 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 an incredible degree. You can control your mind in, at a greater level in Christ because we have the mind of Christ. Amen. We have the mind of Christ. William Law said, Prayer is the nearest approach to God and the highest enjoyment of Him that we are capable of in this life. It is the noblest exercise of the soul and the most exalted use of our faculties and the highest imitation of the inhabitants of heaven. When our hearts are full of God, sending up holy desires to the throne of grace, we are then in the highest state. We are on the height of human greatness. When you are praying, you're on the height of human greatness. That's where your mind links with the mind of God and becomes one. And it's easy to say that, but in actual fact, when we were trying to work it out, a lot of the time, do you feel like your mind unites with God when you're in prayer? Not all the time. Yeah, sometimes you do. Now, we, we need to develop that ability by the power of you know, the, the thought to go and do that and the thought to stay connected and the thought to uh, think about the things that is going to enable us to go deeper and deeper into God that will enable us to um, always have those experiences where we're, uh, we're moving into a higher state um, of spirituality. I sincerely believe that many of the shipwrecks in the Christian world is due to having the idea that we just pray and then go our way. That prayer is just this little thing we do or we say our prayers. You know, I've fallen for that. That I, I just go and say my prayers. I just go and do my prayers and get going. I do them and I, I do them as quick as I can. You know, not all the time, but sometimes it will just get them done and get on my way. But the Bible says we reap what we sow. And this is interesting. A great man once said, The human mind is much like a farmer's land. The land gives the farmer a choice. He may plant in that land whatever he chooses. The land doesn't care what, what's its, what is planted in it. It's up to the farmer to make the decision. So the mind, like the land, 
will return what you plant. And it doesn't care what you plant. If the farmer plants two seeds, one seed of corn and the other nightshade, which is a deadly poison, he then waters and takes care of the land, what will happen? One's poison, one's a fruitful corn, corn uh, plant. Remember, the land doesn't care. It will return poison in just as wonderful abundance as it will corn. So up come the two plants, one corn, one poison. As it's written in the Bible, we, we sow, or as we sow, shall, so shall we reap. The human mind is far more fertile, far more fertile, far more incredible and mysterious than the land. But it works the same way. It doesn't care what we plant. Success or failure, you, plant, you can plant as much negative stuff in the mind and the mind doesn't say, hey, don't do that to me. It's just a fertile field. It will return to you whatever you want to think. A concrete, worthwhile goal or confusion, misunderstanding, fear, anxiety, whatever you want to put in there, if you want to sow all those things into your mind, that's what you're going to reap. And you reap it in abundance. And so that's why you meet some Christians and they're just messed up. Who's met, who's met a messed up Christian? Yeah, raise your hand if you've met one rep messed up Christian. Keep your hand up if you've met two. <laughs> yeah. Who knows we've sown messed up stuff into our lives, into our minds. We've sowed things into our mind, you know. And I do it and we all do it. But we've got to be careful because we reap what we sow. We reap what we think about. And like that poison, it can kill So the human mind is far more fertile. It doesn't care what we plant. Every one of us is the sum total of our own thoughts. We are where we are because that's exactly where we really want or feel we deserve to be. Whatever we'll admit, whether we'll admit that or not. Each of us must live off the fruit of our thoughts in the future. You, there's no choice. You just, you're going to live on things that you think about. What you're thinking about now will take a hold of your life. You know, I had a, had a student uh, the other day, and uh, he spends all his time playing computer games. And he's a really intelligent kid. He's one of those like, kids that should be, you know, really topping his class and doing really, really well, but he lives in front of computer games. But when you meet this kid, he's got so little energy. He's just sort of like ho-hum about everything you talk about. It's just, oh, yeah. I said, do you really think it's uh, good that you're playing so much computer games? No, I don't know, I don't care. And it's like, oh, gee. And he brings you sort of down, and I, I sort of try to lift him as much as I can in the lesson, but he's just got no zap. He's just, he's filling his mind with all this violence and stuff that is on these computer games. And then the other day I watched a, um, a video about... Um, uh, not a video, a, a show about what the porn industry has done to uh, our culture and how it's affected the culture and how it's affected relationships between, between you know, the young, young adults out there and the expectations that men have of women now all because they watch this garbage. You know? And then you, get, you see what the, the poison that gets uh, sort of I suppose, sewed into the minds of kids today in the music that they listen to. So subtle. Do you know modern music is so subtle um, with its messages? You know, um, 
I can't think of it, the names of some of those. Who's the one that rode in on a beast oh, into the Perry. Super Bowl? Katy Perry. Is that Katy Perry? She yeah. came in on a beast? Her videos are so corrupt. They're all, you know, Illuminati symbology and all that sort of stuff, and it's all witchcraft based. And, and if you look in, if you watch Joe Schimmel's uh, exposés on her and what's going on behind the scenes, she's a really corrupt uh, woman, and she's influencing masses and masses of people. That's why I appreciate what Joe Schimmel's done out, you know, with those exposés. But it's pretty bad. And so what, if you're filling your mind with that stuff, if you're listening to that stuff, you're absorbing all the bitterness. So if you're singing lyrics about um, you know, unforgiveness and lyrics about you know, sex and lyrics about all the things that you shouldn't be really letting your mind get influenced by, then guess what? That's the kind of person you're going to become. That stuff grows. And it takes, it takes root. And the next thing you know, you get into 25, 30 years old and you're, you're messed up. Yeah, and you wonder why your life's gone to rack and ruin. So we've got to control what goes in. You know, the eyes are the, are the lamp of the body, the soul of the body. And, you know, if you, whatever you look at affects what goes on in here. So we've got to be careful what we look at. Um, so how do we get our minds to function at a higher level? And So this is sort of where I'm going with this. How do we use this wonderful piece of machinery called the brain and the mind that runs it to help us achieve all we are meant to achieve in this life? Well, the answer lies in living according to the purpose you were created for. Living according to your purpose. The answer lies in achieving all that you are meant to achieve. And people say, oh great, I don't know what I'm meant to achieve. I don't know what my purpose is. Well, that's where you've got to think. That's where thinking comes in. That's where you've got to use that, the mind to process and work out what that is. But you know what? It's amazing how many people don't care which direction in life they're going in. You know, tell me now, would you get on a boat, would you get on a ship that had no destination? If, and you go up to the captain, where are we going? Captain, he goes, oh, I've got no idea. Well... All right, great, let's just go then. Hope you're a swimmer pool. And the ship takes off. What would happen to the ship if it had no destination? And, and you know, you go up to the captain, are you watching where you're going? He says, why would I bother doing that? And you just sail on the way, and the next thing you know, you're on the rock somewhere. You know, you're not watching, you're, you're not working out the, you know, uh, the using the, um, what do you call it, the navigation equipment, you know, have we got much room underneath the floor of this, uh, of underneath the ocean for this ship to pass through, or is it going to hit the rocks now? So, um, would you get on a ship that was going in those directions? There's no chance we would. But do you know how many people treat life that way? How many people, if I said to people, do you know, you know, what are your goals in life? And most people think, what do you mean, what are your goals in life? Uh, that sounds ridiculous. Well, what, what do you want to achieve in life? Uh, I'd like to make a lot of money. Yeah, but what else? Oh, I'd like to go on a big holiday. Where would you like to go? Oh, I'd love to go to Europe. But that's it. That's what their life amounts to. And where else, what else do you want to do? Oh, I'd like to just finish uni if I can. That'd be great. You know, and that's, you know, in essence, that's pretty much what most people think like. Am I, am I right in saying that? Mm. Do you know if you ask most people, 
and I'll ask, um, or I won't ask anyone here, but I'll ask you all at once. Have you got a book at home that has all your goals listed? Life goals. So have you achieved any of the goals that you haven't got listed? <laughs> yeah, you've achieved them all. <laughs> Do you know I've got a, how long have I been doing goals books, books on journals and goals and things, and um, I've done a lot of things in my life I haven't told you, you know, not even half of the things, but I've always, I've had books of goals and directions and things, and I write down <laughs> goals for my family, goals for my, um, you know, physical fitness, goals for diet, goals for this, goals for that. I'm always um, trying to ascertain what should I be aiming for in life, because I don't want to waste this life. You know, and, and so my goals for ministry are always there. And... Um, you know, and, and they're always my first goals. I've got God goals. What are my God goals? What are my ministry goals? What are the church goals? Those sorts of things. I'm asking these questions continually. And then you, it's, you don't just write them down. You've got to go back and read them. And you've got to process them. And, and you've got to refine them. And you've got to get more as you go along. As you age a little bit, you think, well, you know what? I really shouldn't be bothering with that goal anymore. I probably should be doing this instead. And so you, you're rearranging your life. And so what you're doing is you're giving yourself a direction. You're giving yourself a purpose. Your life now means more because you've got a direction. But a, a directionless life is, is a life that just leads to, you know, nowhere. It doesn't take you anywhere. <laughs> and, you know, if you're content with not achieving anything in life, don't listen to a word I'm saying today. But if you really do want to, and a lot of people probably, you know, I'm really content with that, actually. <laughs> Just, you know, my, my 104 year old grandma, I'm pretty sure she doesn't write her goals down anymore. Well, she might. Well, actually, you know what the funny thing about my nana? She always has a goal. She's a big thinker. She's always thinking, but she's always got a goal. She's, she's always doing her next um, crochet, uh, you know, blanket or whatever she's putting together. She's always got a project that she's aiming to finish. And she has knitted for us personally, and she's got a lot of grandchildren. She's knitted for us how many blankets and things and those bed socks that I never wear. And um, she's just knitted so many things for us. And she's doing this. You know, we're getting these massive blankets like they're about this big, and they're all coloured patch things, and they're all with a quilted back on it. And they're beautiful when you're sitting down on the lounge suite. And she's knitting them, and I'm and I'm thinking she did this when she was like 98 years old. She made this massive thing, you know, and she pumps them out. Like, she does a whole heap a year. You know, I think she's slowed right down now. But, um, but it's interesting that could that have aided in keeping her going, you know, having the next project, the next thing that she wants to achieve always before her. So the... So the answer lies in living according to the purpose you were created for. The answer lies in achieving all that you were meant to achieve. Do you know, we may not have a list of things that we're meant to achieve in our life. You might not have a book at home with all the things you're meant to achieve. But guess what? God has a book for each and every one of you. And in his book is all the things you're meant to achieve. So the more time you spend in prayer to God... And the more time you spend thinking and allowing God to use the things that you think about to get clarity on your purpose, because every one of us can achieve wonderful things for God, 
the more time you spend doing that, the more time God has the ability to give you his list. Does that make sense? Yes. So, God, I want a list of things that I want to, that, that you want me to do. Because I don't want to just write my own personal list. I want to write God's personal list for me. And as you do that, as you ask him, as you, as you, as you start to spend time in prayer and time thinking and meditating, God starts to give you that. And so you need to have thought through and make clearly defined objectives in relation to each part of your life. And this is how I do it. I write out spiritual goals, which could be God goals, ministry goals, whatever. Just write out spiritual goals. Then under, and then leave room to write as many spiritual goals as you can get inspired to write. Some, if you've got a, a book about this big, you would give a page and head up each page with different goals. So you'd have spiritual goals on one page. The next page is family goals. We need family goals. We need goals to, you know, what I should be doing in my family to make my family a better family and make, make me a better person in my family. Relationship goals. You know, my relationship with my wife. What am I going to do? And if you, if you see my goals for my, uh, with my wife, you'll see me th things like, you know, take Vina out to dinner a couple, once a week and take, meet her for coffee. Yes. And do I do that most of the time? Yes. Pretty much every week. I'm always, you know, Vina will be leaving school at Thursday night and I'll give her a ring and say, meet me at such and such a place, we'll have a coffee. If you're working, have work goals. So Andy, you don't have to have those. You can leave that one off. But you should have garden goals in your in your house and things. You know, have, a, have all the things that you want to do in your house. Have goals like that. You should have if you're a businessman. And the reason I'm saying these things, and you might think, hey, why are all these things getting mentioned in church? Well, the fact is, you're all in the world, and you're these are the things that you need help with. You know what I'm saying? The only reason I'm doing what I'm doing in work is because I sat down and I really thought about it. You know, and I've been self-employed nearly my whole life. And so for me to get anywhere in work or whatever, I've got to really think about things and make sure I make the right moves and become the right kind of businessman to be able to conduct business. You know what I mean, Ricardo? Because you're, you're now stepping out as well. So you've got to have your business goals written down. You've got to know, what am I trying to achieve? What do I want to achieve? Do I want to have a really big business or do I want to just have enough work just for me? And, and you go through those sort of things. You should have self-development goals because no matter what field you're in, you should be developing yourself in that field. Vina, as a teacher, is forced. She has to do, I think, 20 hours of personal development a year for your school. Is it 20 hours? Yeah. For your registration. For your registration. She can't even get registered unless she's done in three years, 60 hours. But as much as that's a burden to a lot of teachers to have to do that, it's also really, really good because it keeps the teachers sharp. Um, you should have school goals. Goals if you're at school. Write them down. I want to get an A in all my classes. You know, I want to do this and this and this. You know, have goals in relation to that. Alicia wants to get as many A's as she can because at the end of the year she gets $100 for every A from her grandfather. <laughs> And she wants to kick goals too. And she wants to kick goals. Kick goals. <laughs> she's she's taking up football, so please pray for Elise. Aussie rules, footy. Um, now we all live in the world. You got to have financial goals. You got to have financial goals because you know what? If you don't have financial goals, a lot of the time you can end up in an absolute mess financially. Um, it's interesting. There was a guy who actually asked to come today because he comes to me once a week or probably more like once a fortnight, as a life coach. 
And the reason he asked me to become his life coach, he's my only student as a life coach, is because he learned piano with me for about 10 years, 10, 12 years. And I, I took him a long way musically. He's now nearly a full-time musician sort of thing. Or that's what he wants to be. And he said, Rob, I've been to psychologists and I've been to, you name it, my mum's paid for me to go to this guy, that guy, this woman, that woman, and none of them have been able to help me because every time I get there, they just go into my childhood and they try to find out what's, what my troubles are and why do I think the way I'm thinking? Is it related to some issue you have with your parents and all this sort of stuff? And he said, but the only person in all those years when I would bring them up with you, I would always feel better for at least two weeks after the conversation. So he's been coming to me and um, for nearly a year, I'd say, I think most of last year, he, halfway through last year, he came to me every week to two weeks. And um, I started just going through all these goals, like in, you know, financial goals, investment goals, eating goals, well-being goals. Have goals for your health and well-being. Like make a goal. I want to be able to walk, you know, five kilometres without any trouble, and work towards it. Read articles. How do I get myself up to that level of fitness where I can do that? Um, and this, we should have holiday goals, especially if you've got a, a family. You know, you want to go on holidays, and I've also got to have, you know, goals just for time away with Vina when you've got a family, because as, as parents you've got to have those goals. You've got to have leisure goals, hobby goals, etc. There's a whole list here. But I started helping him with all these issues in his life, and rather than trying to get into his childhood, I just went to, let's look at all the main areas of your life and let's start setting goals. Now he started doing it. He actually went home and he started doing it. He'd come in every week and he'd show me, he'd read through goals, and we'd talk about ways, interesting ways of achieving all the different things. He started to achieve. Now, one interesting thing was his financial situation was an absolute mess. Absolute mess. He was borrowing money off his parents all the time to pay bills. And he, it made him feel really, really bad. He was always feeling really down about his financial situation. And it helped probably stir up his depression. Anyway, there was a, there's a book called um, Making Money Made Simple by Noel Whitaker. He's an Australian guy. And when I first read that book, within about six months of reading that book, Vina and I had saved about $20,000 towards our first home. And we went from not being able to save a cent to saving 20 grand, and guess what? Our lifestyle didn't change at all. We had money for everything that we had you know, uh, needed money for. So I got him to read that book, and he, of course, we went and read that book. And um, Anyway, he, and then we, we discussed different ways of saving and all this sort of stuff. So I was helping him with something practical, but out of that practical help, um, he, his depression lifted considerably. Because now, he, all his bills came in, and as the bills were coming in, he already had money set aside to pay them. And so he, there was no stress there. He didn't have to eat humble pie and go to his parents. Um, he uh, started to do things that he could never do, like he had... He had done his motorbike license and there was a little bit left. He had to pay about 180 bucks to get the license. And he finally could do that. And he came in, he said, last week I finally got my actual motorbike license. And, uh, and then on top of that, he saved $2,000 within that six months. So he was paying all his bills. He had achieved all, paid for all these other things. Plus he had $2,000 in his bank within about four months of starting, of, of being with me. And he said, you don't know how good that feels just to have that part of my life sorted. And he's, he's doing it. So that was a, really, a real encouragement. It was just one area of his life. 
And now he's starting to think, I could save for a house, I could save for this, you know what I mean? And so his money, as his money's coming in, he's putting it into places. Now, a lot of people don't think about those sort of things and they end up in a real mess. And that, you know, people blow their brains out through financial stress. You know, it's a, it's a cause of so much heartbreak in the world today. But all it takes is a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of thinking, a little bit of processing, and it's actually one of the most, can be a very exciting part of your life to have that sorted. So that's why I'm bringing these messages to you, because I want, from now on, I want messages to be absolutely practical that you can take home and run with it. Um, so the power of goal setting, and this is something I want to talk to you about um, uh, in another message, but... Um, it enables you not just to live a better life, but it also will enable you to walk out your Christian life the way you are meant to. Most people don't live the way they're meant to live as a Christian because they've got no idea what they're meant to do as a Christian. They haven't even asked... Well, they've asked God, but they've just left it there. They haven't actually done the practical side. It's, remember that, that whole analogy I use, you know, going out and standing in the garden praying... Lord, give me fruit, trees and vegetables, and then going inside and laying down. There's always a, there's a spiritual and a practical. There's faith and there's deeds. There's thoughts and action. Do you know, there's always the two. They go hand in hand, but we can't get overly spiritual and forget the practical. We've got to unite them. And as, as a Christian church and as Christians, we've got to... Um, deal with every part of our life, you know, because you know what most of the time Christians, when um, when uh, when a Christian has problems and comes to a pastor for counselling, you know, the, one of the most common problems is relationships, is um, family, and and those sorts of things. They don't usually come with their financial problems, but they usually come with relationships. And you will always find that they've never really given much thought to how to have a really good relationship. How do you keep a spark in a relationship? You know, when you first met your, your, your partner, the thing that attracted you to her was the way, how happy she was, or he was, and the smile on their face. But after being with you for 10 years, there's no more happiness and there's no more smile on their face. And you think, I don't like this woman anymore. <laughs> but maybe she's become like that as a reflection of what's going on in you. You know what I'm saying? So what do you do? You work on the relationship. Um, there's one, one last example I'll use. I had a, um, a relationship with a, a person years ago who I was in business with. And, uh, and I, I was a bit older, so I knew I had to, every time I'd go out, I'd be really joyful, as much joyful as I can be, not overly, but you know, I'd come up, hey, how you going? Good to see you, let's get going. Got some work to do. And we'd, we'd go off and do the work. Um, but over the months, um, his effort began to decline and decline and decline and decline until he was like real somber and I didn't like being with him. He was only young at the time. And it would get, it would get to me because there was no joy there anymore. There was no happiness. There was no effort. That's pretty much what it was. He, he slowly got to the point where he would not try to make uh, the relationship between us happen uh, in a way that was positive any longer. So you know what I said? Um, we got in the car and I said, you know what, man? I can see that you've just really, you've stopped trying. You know, and all this is going to lead to is a slow decline in our 
um, in this relationship and the business will end up stopping because I can see if you don't put effort in, you know, it's going to break down. And the same thing goes with marriages, you know. Um, I always think you've got to keep the spice there. You know, yesterday we dropped off Alicia to work and the kids weren't home. And so I grabbed Ben and we went and had lunch quickly. Just do something, you know. Make it, make life a little bit more exciting. And Vina always is good. She always sits there and goes, "Oh, it feels like holidays again." <laughs> just that little holiday, just for the next, you know, yeah. half an hour, and then back to reality. <laughs> but you got to try, hey? You know what I mean? You got to try. You got to put in effort to make things happen. And um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish on that. But I'll just finish on these last words. Achieving success in these things is no accident. We must apply ourselves to consistently think about them and think about how to achieve them. Write your goals down. Get your goals listed. Know what you're here for. Don't let life pass you by and, you, and have no idea what your purpose was. Because that won't stand on the day of judgment when God says, I had all these things for you to do. There was all these things. And you can't say, hey, God, I didn't know you had those things for me to do. There's no comeback like that. It's more, well, you should have found out. I was ready to give them supernaturally to you, but you never even asked me seriously or thought about it. So spend time in thought. Spend time in prayer and ask God, give me direction. Give me uh, you know, the answers so that I know what I'm supposed to do. Because every one of us could be incredibly useful for God if we would just do his will. Amen. Has that been helpful? Yes. All right, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time, and I thank you that um, that uh, you enabled me to speak this message, and I pray that it was really a real strong blessing to everyone here. And I pray, Lord, that um, each and every one of us will really uh, go home with this and, and wrestle with it, Lord, and, and, and do things like even start a book and buy a nice book just to write down um, goals in, and so that we can reflect on the life that we're leading and find out from this point, what do you want us to do? What are we meant to do? What am I meant to do? What is each of us here meant to do, Lord? So that we can just uh, live out a, a better life in every area of our life, not just uh, spiritually, but in every element of our life. So that, Lord, that um, your blessings can flow as we start to um, act on the things that you've called us to do. So I just pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus and I pray a real blessing over everyone here and thank you for them and thank you for their love and their support in this church and I just pray uh, that you will just be with them all week long and that they'll have the most exciting week. Uh, and, I, and I ask you, Lord, just to, uh, just to be with us now and give us a wonderful time of fellowship and unite us and so we will be in one heart and one mind together as we fellowship, Lord. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Have a great week.